Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saving Minds, the podcast that uncovers what's happening in the search for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease treatments. I'm your host, Shanti Skiffington. My co-host, Dr. Elliot Goldstein, is away today, but we have in his place Dr. Joanne Kaplan, who was our guest on episode seven, talking about her recent paper, The Importance of Selectivity, in which she shared uh, the, from her perspective, the correct path forward in finding treatments for Alzheimer's disease, as well as other neurodegenerative diseases. Today, we've asked Joanne to come back onto our podcast because she just came back from what is one of the most notable scientific conferences on Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, the Keystone Symposia Scientific Conference. And this particular Keystone Conference was on neurodegenerative diseases, and it was titled New Insights and Therapeutic Opportunities. Uh, Joanne had presented some data there, but also had a chance to connect with some of the leading researchers in the race to find a therapy. And we thought it would be interesting to get her feedback on some of the hot topics and exciting research being done. So welcome, Joanne. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, Your last episode was so helpful and informative. And we're really looking forward to you sharing your opinions about this conference. So uh, let's just dive right in. What, in your opinion, was the most promising data uh, that was revealed at the Keystone Symposia last week? Yes, it was a really great conference. Uh, And there were presentations about multiple neurodegenerative disorders, uh, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, ALS, spinal muscular atrophy, etc., and um, in my opinion, one of the most promising aspects, which really cuts across all of these disorders, is uh, the progress that has been made in the delivery of gene therapies to the central nervous system to, to treat these disorders. And what I mean by that is now it's clearly has become possible to deliver gene-based drugs to the central nervous system intrathecally. So intrathecally means uh, it's sort of like giving an epidural, except that you go all the way into the sac that is around the spinal cord and holds the cerebrospinal fluid that bathes the spinal cord and is also connected to the brain. So by, by injecting into that space, you allow your drug to get into the neurons, and then it can either turn off bad genes or express good genes to compensate for various genetic defects. So very exciting development. And there's already uh, been one major success uh, in a drug called Spinraza developed by Biogen Ionis, uh, which was approved in late 2016. And it's having a major impact on on kids with spinal muscular atrophy. Uh, And now As we saw at the conference, the same approach is being applied to a range of other disorders. Uh, For example, a severe form of epilepsy, ALS, Huntington's disease. Uh, There are several early clinical trials underway, and it's very encouraging, very exciting. Uh, And of course, this has opened up a very exciting option for companies like Promise Neurosciences 
that are looking to use antibodies to target toxic proteins that are involved in, in the progression of disease. Uh, the, the small toxic oligomer clumps that, that are toxic to neurons uh, in, in different diseases. Um, and I, as uh, we covered in our previous podcast, when you deliver antibodies uh, intravenously, you inject into the blood, uh, you can only get a limited amount across the blood-brain barrier. Only a, a little bit gets across into the brain. You can get enough in to, to have an impact on disease, but it's not a very efficient process. And now with this gene therapy approach, that's uh, another way that we could deliver antibodies directly into the central nervous system in the form of intrabodies, what we call intrabodies, meaning that uh, instead of giving the antibodies themselves, you would inject interthecally the gene for the antibodies. And then this would get into the neurons and the antibody can get made in the neurons. So that's why it's called intrabody. It's being made inside the neurons. It's like a Trojan horse. You get the gene in the central nervous system and you get the production of antibodies for long periods of time. So you you don't have to keep re-injecting. It's being made right there on site. So that's a very attractive possibility that, it, that is becoming more and more real. So that might be the next generation of treatment with antibodies, using them as intrabodies. Wow, that is fascinating. And I can understand clearly how it's, it's a, simply a new delivery mechanism for drugs that helps those drugs get directly to where they can do some good. That, that is really fascinating. I'm sure there was a lot of interesting topics, great new research. You know, if you were to talk about maybe what the next level two or three hot issues might have been from the conference, in addition to what you just described, what what would the uh, what would the next level hot issues be? So, a very hot topic of discussion was uh, inflammation in in the brain and the spinal cord, so neuroinflammation as playing a key role in neurodegenerative diseases. And so that is becoming a very uh, hot topic of investigation and clearly looking uh, at the brain of patients, post-mortem samples, looking at the tissues, uh, there are clear signs of inflammation in the brains. Um, And now there are also genomic studies showing that uh, some of the genes that increase the risk of Alzheimer's disease are linked to inflammation, uh, in particular genes that are expressed in microglial cells, which are a, a type of immune cell in the brain. So basically, microglial cells are the garbage man of the brain, and, and their job is to clean up, uh, get rid of dead cells, old proteins, But in diseases like Alzheimer's disease, uh, they can become too active and and they start killing neurons. So there were several presentations uh, of of scientists studying the microglial cells and uh, looking at different ways that that they could be stopped to become less inflammatory. Um, Obviously, the, the best way to deal with inflammation would be to just remove the cause, what, what triggers the inflammation in the first place. Uh, and, and that takes us back again to the toxic oligomers, which, in addition to killing neurons, are a cause of inflammation. Uh, they bind to receptors on microglial cells and activate them. 
So again, uh, the approach that we are taking is to uh, target these oligomers with antibodies to neutralize them and, and stop them from causing inflammation. And, and that is what we have seen uh, in an animal model that we use and uh, was part of the data that we presented at the conference that when you neutralize the oligomers with an antibody, you decrease the damage and uh, decrease the inflammation. So that, that was um, one very interesting topic. And if I had to pick another one uh, that I myself found very interesting is um, how it is becoming more accepted that infection can potentially be a trigger for Alzheimer's disease. And, and what is believed to happen is that um, when microbes somehow gain access to the brain, then uh, amyloid beta, the protein, forms little clumps against the microbes to, to stop them from spreading in the brain. And that is, well, oligomers. And that can act as a seed uh, to start the disease, uh, to kill neurons and cause inflammation. So to me, that's a very interesting way of uh, looking at where, where do these oligomers come from? And it can come from uh, an infection or other conditions that promote aggregation. But it was very interesting that um, there has been this data floating around that if you look at the, the brains of Alzheimer's patients, they contain uh, more traces of infection like herpes viruses compared to normal brains. Uh, and also uh, looking a little more directly rather than this type of correlation, if you actually do experiments with, with mice and inject them with microbes in the brain, you see this phenomenon taking place. So very uh, interesting concept. Well, I'm really glad you brought it up uh, because reading the headlines as a lay person, I see all kinds of articles on neuroinflammation and on how infection leads to Alzheimer's. And you never know if it's, if it's grounded in science or if it's just uh, the latest uh, headline grabber. But it's interesting to know that people are talking about this at scientific conferences and um, it's helpful to have you translate it for us so that we know exactly how it happened. So that was, that was very helpful. Thank you. Anything surprising from the conference? So I would say that there were no real big surprises. It was more of a continuing evolution in, in the understanding of disease. Uh, and I was glad to see also that there is more of a general acceptance that the misfolded toxic oligomer propagating in a prion-like fashion are a root cause of disease that, that is becoming more and more established. Uh, and, and there was really a, a feeling of a great momentum uh, with scientists from all over the world focusing on, on different aspects of the disease. And, and the uh, organizers mentioned that uh, every continent in the world was represented at the conference except for Antarctica. Wow. So uh, there was really uh, a, a lot of brain power uh, in place, and it's uh, very clear that the pace of knowledge is accelerating, uh, especially now that there are more and more sophisticated tools to, to study the biology of disease, uh, such as the genomic analysis of large populations, and, and also something that um, I think is worth mentioning, which is now having the, the ability to study human neurons in culture. So that's always been a challenge. How do you get 
fresh human neurons from a brain uh, that you could put in culture? How do you get a steady supply? Obviously, you can imagine that the logistics are very difficult. Uh, So now there is a way to use what is called induced pluripotent stem cells, or iPSCs for short, where basically you you take a skin biopsy either from uh, a healthy control, a healthy individual, or someone with Alzheimer's disease, and then you culture those skin cells in a dish, the, the fibroblasts that they're called. And then now there is a way to reprogram those fibroblasts so that they differentiate into neurons. So now you have an endless source of human neurons that you can use for experiments. And now that the technology has been refined on how to do this, and it's a very useful That's tool. fascinating. Um, and, and what a great benefit to science. And it's so great to hear that there's all this momentum and hopeful hopefulness uh, from, from all these researchers. Um, you've discussed a lot of topics. All of them are very interesting. Which one do you think we're going to hear more about in the near term? So in the near term, I think what we can look forward to is all the insights that will come from these uh, genomic studies and the various screens for potential drugs that are being done in cell culture and animal models. And that will continue to inform us about different targets and approaches to treating disease. Uh, because neurodegenerative diseases are obviously very complex, have more than one cause, it is multifactorial, and ultimately the most effective treatment will likely involve combination therapies that target different aspects of the disease. Obviously, it's crucial to tackle the root cause of the disease to stop the toxic oligomers, but potentially you could have an even better outcome by combining this, for example, with uh, an agent that addresses the inflammatory component. So the more shots on goal, the better. And I think uh, in the near term, we'll hear more and more about what else is involved in disease. Great. Thank you. Um, So near term could, in fact, be next month because the largest and arguably most influential international conference on Alzheimer's disease is coming up in July. It's AAIC or the Alzheimer's Association International Conference. I know you'll be going and I know you'll be presenting data again. Uh, What do you think people are going to be talking about at AAIC? Do you think they'll be speaking more about these topics that you've shared with us today? Yes. I mean, the, the two conferences are just a few weeks apart. Uh, I, I think the major difference is that uh, obviously AAIC is totally dedicated to Alzheimer's disease. That, that's where the focus is. So I think there will be a lot of the same participants uh, and a lot of the same topics, but it will be more in depth as to how they specifically apply to Alzheimer's disease. Wonderful. And anything, anything that you expect to hear about at AAIC that you haven't shared with us already today? Yes. Yeah, so because AAIC is really uh, dedicated to promoting treatments for Alzheimer's disease, a lot of the presentations will be not only about uh, the biology of disease and, and different targets and approaches, but also uh, from a practical point of view, clinical trial design. Uh, because that's where you really are going to test your drugs, and that's been ongoing. We've learned a lot from prior trials, uh, and information will be shared on how should we select our patients? How could we um, make sure that uh, 
the treatment groups are more uniform uh, and that uh, you are really enriching for patients that are more likely to respond, that you'll be able to see a signal. Uh, what clinical readouts are, are the most useful? Uh, when you look at cognition, what have we learned from past trials as to what are the, the best scales, things to measure for, for cognition, uh, how to conduct statistical analysis? Uh, and, and perhaps what I think is, is one topic of the greatest importance for clinical trials is there will be discussion definitely on biomarkers, um, things that you can measure either in, in the blood or cerebrospinal fluid or even imaging markers like MRI or PET imaging, looking at the brain, that can uh, give you an indication uh, as to where the disease is in a given patient and how is it progressing during the course of the trial and are you having an impact on, on disease progression. Uh, it's increasingly being recognized that biomarkers are a very important tool to get an early read on whether your treatment is having an effect. So instead of doing a, a two-year trial with thousands of patients before you even have an answer as to whether you're doing an, anything that, that helps, with biomarkers, you can even within a few months and perhaps a much smaller number of patients uh, determine whether you're moving the needle, you know, whether you're, you're really making an impact on disease. Um, so for example, there is something you can measure called neurofilament light chain, even in the blood, uh, which tracks with death of neurons. It's released from neurons as they're dying. And so if you follow that over the course of treatment, you can potentially tell whether you've stopped uh, the killing of neurons because that marker should, the levels should go down. So it will be very interesting to hear what is now the state of the art on, on the best biomarkers and the most validated biomarkers that we can uh, include uh, as part of our early clinical trials. And for our listeners who are new to our podcast, we did uh, spend a lot of time on biomarkers, how they work, what they are, and their value to identifying uh, the therapies to move forward for Alzheimer's disease. We discussed these in episodes three and four, if you'd like to tune in to those. But thank you, Joanne. Uh, it's really heartening to know that biomarkers are a hot issue, that there is a lot of energy and momentum around them. And I think we're going to have to invite you to come back on our podcast after AAIC because we'd really uh, like to hear your perspective on the hot issues from that conference. It's been really wonderful having you on talking about Keystone. I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners found it very informative as well. So thank you once again, and um, we hope to have you back on. Very welcome. I would love to come back and tell you about AAIC. 